0: Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now.
1: Okay, guys, remember we left off, guys, uh, a few weeks ago. We saw that Jacob, if you recall, left his home and he made his way to Haran. Some of your translations might say Paddan Okay, and uh, either way, he's gone about 500 miles away from mom and dad. You guys recall the story, right? Isaac, if you recall, Isaac really, really loved both his kids. But he favored Esau a little bit more. If you recall, Esau, um, he was his favorite. Esau went out. Esau was the manly man. Esau was the brawny guy, if you will, right? He had the beard, and he was going out, and he's chopping wood. He's killing, he's just bringing home. That's what Esau loved. But I wanted to remind you that they loved both their kids, okay? You understand that? It, it wasn't that Esau, it wasn't that, it wasn't that Isaac was like, no, I don't like Jacob. They were twins. They loved them both. It just he just favored a, a little bit more. Well, we know the story. Jacob's mother, right, really loved both children, but she favored, uh, she favored what? Jacob, right? Jacob was not a hunter. He was not a brawny man. He was not, he was an inside Mr. Clean kind of guy. Okay. He wanted to learn how to cook. He wanted to be around mom. He, he liked the inside. He didn't really want to get dirty, if you will. Okay, and so that's what was going, and if you remember, as the story goes, Jacob, right, stole Esau's birthright, do you guys remember, with a bowl of green chili stew. You go, Ben, the Bible doesn't say it was green chili stew. I think it was, okay, it was just good green chili, I would give up my birth, no, I wouldn't give up my birthright for, a, for some green chili stew, but we know that, that Jacob, we know that he stole that from Esau. Okay? Now, again, Esau, if you're taking no, I want you to write this down. I think it brings so much merit. Esau has always been a type of the flesh. Look at me, church. We're always going to battle the flesh. The flesh is going to wage against the spirit. Your spirit wants to worship. Your spirit wants to praise God, but your flesh goes, uh uh-uh. It's go time, and, they, and, and you'll battle. And Esau is always the type of the flesh. Now, Which one are you going to give in to? Which one are you going to succumb to? Which one are you going to really follow? Are you going to follow the Spirit? Oh, God, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to do what's right. God, you're my everything. You're my all in all. Or are you going to do the flesh? and What the flesh wants to do. You see, the flesh, guys, will give us a, a moment of gratification. Just a moment. Oh, that feels good. Amen. Woo! But it's just a moment compared to eternity. And so we have to really understand Esau is a type of the flesh and he's walking in the flesh and he's gratifying the flesh. And do you remember, do you remember what Esau said when he came into his birthright? In Genesis 25, listen to this, Genesis 25, 32 through 33, he says, look, Esau says, I'm dying of starvation. I'm dying of starvation, said Esau. What good is my birthright to me now? But Jacob said, excuse me, excuse me, first you must swear that your birthright is mine. So Esau swore an oath, thereby selling all his rights as the firstborn to his brother, Jacob. So guys, a bowl of stew, and he comes in going, I'm starving to death. I'm starving. Now listen, there's been a few times in my life that I've been hungry, really hungry, but I don't think I've ever crossed the point to... Starvation. Okay, I was not going, I'm starving now. I've said I'm starving, right? Oh, my gosh, I'm so starving. I'm starving to death. Really? When did you eat last? Two o'clock? Are you kidding me? I just... No, you're not starving to death. You're just hungry. You're just hungry. So Jacob steals the birthright. Super bummer, huh? But, but listen, we saw another not-so-cool encounter. You go, what happened? Guys, then there was a blessing. Isaac thought he was about to be at the end of his life. Do you recall that? So much so that he called his firstborn in. He said, Esau, behold, I am old. And he says this, I don't know the day of my death. That's what that's what he said. I'm old. I don't know the day of my death. Now, here's what I want you to see, guys. Here here's some here's a truth bomb that I don't think we can pass up. You guys ready? You go, what's that? Isaac looks at it with his dimly eyes, right? He feel like he's old, he's, he's, he's just about done, and he says, I don't know when I'm going to die. That's a flat-out true statement, amen? Because we don't know when we're going to die. We don't know. It was a sad, sad tragedy that happened just the other night. When a young man in a 20-year-old, a 20-year-old young man decided to pass a semi-trailer on a no-passing zone on a two-lane road where he collided with another vehicle and was ushered into eternity. Guys, listen. People didn't get up that morning going, hey, we're, we're going to go do this. And uh, when we're driving back late at 7 o'clock at night, we're going to be Jesus. None of us say that because we don't know the time of our death. We don't know when we're, we just don't know. And, and, and this is exactly what he says. He says, I don't know when I'm going to die. And I want you to, I want you to really meditate on that. Why? I want you to see if you caught that. Listen, none of us knows. As a matter of fact, here's the thing that Isaac actually lived another 43 years after he said that. So he was right. I don't know. I think I'm dying right now. You lived another 43 years. You go, Pastor, what's your point? You guys ready? Here it is. Two things that we know from Scripture. You go, what's that? Number one, none of us know when we're going to die. Can I get an amen on that? But we do know, listen to me, we do know if the Lord doesn't come back soon, we will all face that day. The difference is a twenty-year-old going, or a fourteen or fifteen-year-old going. Man, I got my whole life ahead of me. Listen, I just finished football. Now I'm playing basketball. I get that. That's how God made us. We have our whole life. We're thinking, man, and we get to the other side, to where we're not so young anymore, and we start to think of reality. We start to think, man, it might be today. It might be today. And again, here's the thing, guys, we have to, we're all going to face that. Do you understand that? Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2 says this to you and I. He says, for he says, an acceptable time I have heard, that the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, the acceptable time is now. Behold, today is the day of salvation. This is what he's saying. He says, listen, none of us know how, none of us knows when we're going to die. Make sure you're saved. There's nothing else in this world so worthy that you would leave your heavenly father. That you would walk away from Jesus. That you would gratify the flesh. Pastor Ben, i got a question. Oh yeah? Well, who said that? Who said that? Oh, what's your question? But the flesh is fine. I mean, it's we're supposed to have fine. Now, now listen, listen, I get it. You see, the Bible says that sin is fun for a season, but is very destructive over a lifetime. It's not worth it. The Bible also tells us in Romans chapter 13, verse 11, jot this down. It says, for all the more urgent, for you know how late it is. Time is running out, Paul says. Wake up! Our salvation is nearer than we first believe." You go, Ben, 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 what's the application? What's the application? Okay, jot this down. You ready? Live like you're dying. Live like you're dying. You go, Ben, what do you mean? Live. Stop simply existing. Live life to the fullest. You go, well, like what? Well, like what? Well, so I got on the computer and I said, okay, so I just need some help, Lord. So I went over to crosswalk.com. I said, okay, so, so, so help me. In an article on crosswalk.com, I read a few things that might give us some insight to live life to the fullest. Okay, here's some insight. You ready? Number one, if you're a fast writer and you don't mind taking notes, number one, jot this down. Choose faith instead of fear. Choose faith instead of fear. That's the first thing. You want to live life to the fullest, choose faith. It's natural for us to feel fear, but whenever you're afraid, you can choose to respond with faith rather than focusing on the fear you feel. You want to live life to the fullest? Focus on the faith. Focus on the faith. In Hebrews chapter 12, we have the hall of faith. These are all of the people that said, listen, you can do it. If I can do it, you can do it. And they all walked, knowing that the God of the universe had walked with him, talked with him, held him, and it's faith. It's faith. Did you know, I posted that on Facebook today, did you know that Moses, it says in the New Living Translation, that Moses walked to the promised land, he says, trusting something he couldn't see, it was invisible. How many of us would go after the invisible man? How many of us would go after something invisible? You go, Ben, that's silly. That's right, because faith says, I'm going after the invisible. You see, we can't see God in the natural. We can't see him, but we believe and we walk in him and we trust in him. And so again, that's faith. Number two, this is something going to help us. Receive God's powerful love. That's the, You want to live life to the fullest? Receive it. Okay? Here's what I want you to do. We're going to do something real practical. We're just going to say, I receive God's love. That's all you got to do. Open up your hands, say, I receive God's love. Because a lot of us can't receive. A lot of us can't receive. We're prideful. I'm a, I'm a man. I can do it. I'll take care of it. I'll, I'll, I'll give it to my dying breath. And yet, here's what he's saying. He says, you need to receive. You see, God's love is the essence of who God is. And his love is more powerful than your circumstances or your feelings. You can count on loving, on on God loving you completely and unconditionally at all times and in all situations. Let me ask you this How many times have we messed up? How many times have we sinned? And God hasn't struck us dead? You go, Ben, that's silly. We're all here. That's right. But see, listen, this is why. This is why God loves you so much. Because we have sinned against a holy God, and he put that on his son. See, the Bible earlier says the soul that sins shall die. We deserve death. We deserve death. And God says, no, 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 you know what? Listen, you know what I'm going to do? I know you deserve to die, but what I'm going to put it on Jesus on your account. That's, that's Wow, I received that. I received that. Listen to me. There is nothing you can do to make God love you more. And there is nothing you can do or that you have done to make God love you any less. God is love and he loves you. You have to receive that, guys. You have to receive that. He'll set you free. He'll set you free. Why? Because there's where you find your validation. This is where you find your, your worth. Your worth is how much the God of the universe loves you and has a plan for you. This is, this is what He saying. Number three, you ready? You want to live life to the fullest? Trust God's goodness in tough times. Trust God's goodness in tough times. Now, listen, I know y'all are amazing, and you don't have any tough times in your life. You go, Ben, you're silly. We all have tough times in our life, don't we? But are we trusting, are we trusting God's goodness? Can we be real in church? Is this a safe place? Because we don't. And the devil comes in, he goes, man, God's have, God has it out for you, man. God wants to see you. God God God's mad at you. He's up he's up in heaven just shaking his head and he just he's going to teach you a lesson. That's not God's goodness. You know what God's goodness is? Is he says, "Oh my my son, my daughter, my my creation, my wow. I know it's a tough time. I know it's a tough time, but I'm walking with you. I'm walking with you. Number 4. Expect everybody say expect God to answer your prayers. How many of you honestly expect God to answer your prayer? And we none of us will raise our hands. I mean, we really, I mean, really expect Him. Really pray with expectation. Why, 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 why don't we? I'll tell you why. Because we. We fully don't understand who God is at times in our prayer life, and we don't understand, and we don't line up our will with his will, and then we get disappointed, and we go, well, here's the thing. You know why God didn't answer my prayer, Joe? Because, you know, I mean, I know that he can, but he won't for me because of this, and I did this, and, you know, me this, and, uh, yeah, that's probably why. And what I have to do, Joe, listen, I'm going to go up, and let me clean this up back here, back in 1986. Let me clean this up, and then, and then over here in 2009, God will love me. And we go, that's silly, But we should come expecting God to hear our prayers. We should come expecting God to show up in every single service. We should come here expecting that our church should be full and quit expecting, go, oh, there's just a handful of people. We should come with just excitement. Why? Because it's not about us. It's about God. And God loves his people. And he uses you and me to love his people. How many of you invited somebody to church tonight? Well, pastor, don't, don't. Why, why are you coming down on us? No, I'm not coming down on you. Here's what I'm telling you. We get in the rut. I do the same thing. We get in the rut. Well, nobody's going to come. It's Wednesday. They don't go to church on Wednesday. I get it. They go to Taco Tuesday on Wednesday. You know how it is. But, but that's, that's not expectations of what God wants to do. That's not expectations of what God wants to do in our marriage. That's not. We need to expect, guys, we need to expect that God's going to answer our prayers. Expect it. God, you're going to answer this. You're going to answer this. When you pray, do so with faith that God will answer your prayers according to what's best. According to what's best. Trust me, we could be here all night of me telling you stories about that. You go, what do you mean? Well, I better not get into it, but I'll tell you privately uh, my little story about that. Nathalie was reminding me of that this morning, early in the morning. Thank you, sweetie. Appreciate that. Yep, yep. Okay, back in our study. Back in our study. Jacob steals the blessings from Esau. With an elaborate scheme from his mother, so much so that Esau saw red, no pun intended, when he came to see his brother that Jacob had to join. You know what he had to do? He had to join the witness protection program. You go, Ben, what do you mean? He had to go to Haran. That's how bad it was at home. Why? Because Esau was about to kill him. Esau was about to kill him. I mean, this is not good. Okay? And so this is what's going on. So Jacob, he bolts to Haran, and what happened? You guys ready? The boy fell in love. The boy fell in love. Do you remember? He, he meets God along the way, okay? That's the place called Bethel, okay? So he meets God, he meets God along the way, but on the way, he, on the way to Haran, he meets God, but he keeps going, and then what happens? Then he sees Rachel. And all of a sudden, doom, dum dum. dum. His heart beats out of his chest. Why? Because you know when Jacob sour. I mean, he was smitten. That boy was smitten down to his socks. I'm telling you right now. He was. And you go, Pastor, how do you know? Because Jacob does two things. These are two things you do when you're in love. What do you mean? The first thing you do is you try to get rid of the other fellas. Okay? You see the girl? (gasps) She's single. Hey, you, you boys got to go. You know, and and that's what he tries to do. Verse four, he says, man, they got to go, right? And <laughs> I did that. I did that same thing many years ago. You go, why? Man, when I saw Nathalie, the first thing I knew is I had to put a ring around her finger. I will never forget it, guys. I'll never forget it. There she was on her knees picking flowers. And I thought, oh my, what, you know? true story. She's picking flowers. She's working. I'm in the produce department, and I'm just bumping into stuff, you know, looking at her, and so I go to her, and I was like, me being the, you know, godly man that I was at the ripe age of 19, looked at her and said, hey, um, say one for me. Yeah, she had that same look. She's like, what? She had that same look. She's like, what? I said, say one for me. And she kind of looked at me like, you're really weird. And, and she sat there like that. And, 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 and I said, no, if you're on your knees, I figured you were praying. Say a prayer for me. And she went, ha, 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 ha. She got up and walked back. I was like, don't use that line, guys, okay? That doesn't work. I had to work harder after that, okay? So don't use that. But, but I thought, wow, wow. And uh, so after a while, I wore her down. Uh, Like Urkel, right? I'm wearing you down, right? So I married her. We had vows, okay? And then um, I also had two kids with her to seal the deal, right? Because kids are instant boy repellent, okay? You just know. She's married and has kids. She's off limits. So that's what Jacob does, right? That's what Jacob does. And even today... My wife is so beautiful that I almost get in fistfights everywhere we go. And she knows the Taco Villa story. Ask her about that. I mean, she knows about that. What else does Jacob do? He's in love. He's in love. What happened, right? He moves a giant rock so Rachel can water the sheep. Guys, think about it. Men, what happened to us? We used to move rocks for our girls. We used to do whatever it is. Are you kidding me? Oh, oh, baby, will you drive over to so-and-so? I really want to shake. Well, that's like in the other county. That's like 50 miles away. You got it, baby. I'll do it. I'll go get you anything you want. We would do that. Now she calls from the other room. Hey, can you bring me a glass of water? Oh, wow, I'm over here. You want water? You want me? Oh, I'm just like, I have to get the glass and everything. Pshh. What happened to us, man? What happened to us? We used to do anything for them. We valued them. And then life seemed to put the kibosh, doesn't it, on our intense love for them. You go, Pastor, what should I do? What should I do? Okay, men, ask me, what should I do? If you're married, what should I do? Thank you. The young kids are like, I don't know what you're talking about, man. What should I do? Number one, remember the church in Ephesus. He wants us to remember. Remember the place where you've fallen. Go back to the place where, her, where your heart went pitter-patter when you saw her. Go back to that place. Number two, repent. Change your mind and your heart will follow. And number three, repeat. Go back and do those things that you used to do. Guys, that's what that's what we 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 have to do. Why? Because if you're married, if you're married, those you kind of get in a comfort zone, man. You kind of get. It's like the longer you're married, you're like in a Winnebago, right, with the cruise control on. That's how you kind of look at it. You're real comfortable. Things are really good. You're not in that you know 1947 Chevy truck that bounces all over. You're you're a little bit more comfortable. And we lose that. We've got to we've got to remember. We've got to remember. So Jacob's in love. And now the double dealer gets what's coming to him. Remember? So let's pick it up in verse 15. We'll read just the five verses, okay? And then we'll jump into our text, okay? Go back, Genesis 29, verse 15 says, Then Laban said to Jacob, Because you are my relative, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me, what should your wages be? Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the younger was Rachel. Who was Jacob in love with? Rachel. Okay. Leah's eyes, the Bible says, were delicate. I don't, that doesn't, she, she's she's not, not hard to look at. Do you know what I mean? It just she just wasn't as pretty as Rachel. He's in love with Rachel, right? Because here's what the Bible says about Rachel. But Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. And it's just like he said, wow, 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 bada bing, bada boom, woo, this girl. It says, Jacob loved Rachel, and so he told his future father-in-law, I will serve you seven years for Rachel, your younger daughter. And Laban said, it's better that I give her to you than to a stranger, to give her to another man, stay with me. In other words, he said, deal. That's what we learned two weeks ago. That's a deal. So, Listen, 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 verse 20. So, Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed only as a few days to him because of the love he had for her. Wow. Can you imagine? He served, he worked seven years, and there he is working, and he's looking at Rachel going, one day. And it just seemed like a few days. It just seemed like a few days. And you go, Ben, how romantic. Isn't that cool? How romantic. It only seemed like a few days. Don't you want to be in love like oh it was only seemed like a few days we were we were so apart we were so apart but it was just but here's what it made me wonder think about this church really let's put some application behind it okay I wonder I wonder if we could love the Lord Jesus that much like like be so in love with Jesus. That even if we live 120 years, it would feel just like a few days. We're so in love, we're, we're blinded, if you will, by our love for Jesus. I wonder. I mean, it, it, the principle's there. Jacob goes, oh, it's just a few days. Seven years, just a few days. But, but think about it. What about our Jesus? What about our God? What about the God that created us knows all about us inside and out? Could we love him like that? And you go, Ben. listen, I appreciate your preaching. Amen, brother, Rocket. But But seriously, I mean, I, this is, let's talk real world, and I'll tell you why. This is exactly what I came up with. Let's talk about real world, okay? And you go, why? So what happens? Listen to me, church. What happens when we can't or we don't love him? What happens? You go, what do you mean? Sometimes... Our misunderstandings of who Jesus is and what he's doing in our lives or in the world, well, those misunderstandings often hinders our complete, unadulterated love for him. Let me say that again. We walk by faith, and we, we sort of figure out what Jesus is going to do, and he's going to do in our lives and in the world. And when that doesn't happen, we have a misunderstanding, and so that hinders our love, our complete love for him. It stops us cold. It's, it's like, a, it's like a, a, you're running a race on a track, and somebody puts those, those hurdles in your way. You start to fall. What's going on? And, and you want to love Jesus, but, but we've had some hurts. We've had some expectations from God and what, and what he should be doing in our lives and, and how come he didn't stop this and how come he didn't work there and, 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 and is anybody with me? Listen to this story. It's a sad story that I found but listen to this story, okay? This is a story from an unknown person. Listen to this. He says, I grew up in church. I know the Bible well. But now I'm positive that God left me. Like Saul, I'm empty and it seems pointless to live. I'm basically a corpse walking around. I have no joy, peace, patience, or kindness. No fruit of the Spirit. How can I have the fruit of the Spirit when God has left me? I got sick, and he tells, now he goes on to say, he said, I got sick about a month ago and started doubting everything. I was thinking sick thoughts, blasphemous thoughts. I tried to fight it with scripture, but the doubt and the evil thoughts continued to expand. And now I know that the beautiful spirit of the Lord is gone. God left me, he's deserted me. I've prayed and I've prayed, but I'm sure that God left. God has given me over to a reprobate mind. Now nothing affects me. My heart is hard. And I know the Bible is God's word and that Jesus is God's son and that he gave me the Holy Spirit to dwell in those who believe. I know God is even if he gave me over to a reprobate mind, I will continue to let people know that he is true even though God has left me. I read that. I was like, what? What? Where would we get that? Where would we get the fact that our Heavenly Father has left us? And again, think about this, guys. There are some things we need to remember that God will never leave you nor forsake you. But we need to remember that God does a few things in our lives. You ready? Jot this down. This is so key. You go. what's that? God tests the righteous Psalm 11 verse 5 tells us that Jeremiah 20 verse 12 he tests the righteous he disciplines or trains those that are his There's going to be testing in your life there's going to be trials in your life which of the saints of God have not gone through periods of testing What does testing do? Testing makes us stronger. God wants us to see that we will cling to him by faith, even when the feelings go away. I know I'm not just talking to myself. I know there are people that have felt this, God, I feel like I'm praying to you and you're not there. You're not answering. I feel like you're distant. God is saying, listen, I'm training you. I'm working. There is resistance. There is trials. You are my kid. I want to make you stronger. I want to make you stronger. This is exactly what he's saying. But, but my feelings, guys, we don't walk by feelings, do we? feelings will lead us and uh, they're they're neither right or wrong they're just all over the place well, i feel this and i feel that and listen i'm with you i'm with you i'm i'm a man full of feelings i get it i i question i doubt god you're the pastor i know but, but the point is, is I'm trying to be honest and down to earth and say, I get it. But I also have to realize that there is a time of testing. There's a time of pruning. There's a time when there has to be. As a matter of fact, Nathalie gave me this analogy the other day. She says, you know, I've been thinking about resistance training, right? Lifting weights. I'm thinking about resistance. Listen, there's not a whole lot of people who lift weights because it's hard. Who wants to lift that and put it back down and lift and put it, I mean... But you realize that the more you have resistance, the stronger you get. I thought, what a great element. That's exactly what the Christian life is. There are times, man, where we're like, check it out, and you can lift real good. And it's like, wow. And then there's other times when you put on more weight, and you're like, Ugh. right, and you make funny noises when you're trying to do, you know, you're lifting, Ugh. right? But if you keep at it, what happens, guys? You get stronger. You get stronger. Josh, a while back, was talking about they had went to the gym and he was talking about doing some bench presses. He was doing, oh, you know, and guys are real interested in bench press. Like, hey, how much did you bench, bro? You know, how much, how much did you, how much did you and so I said, Josh, how much? Ma- where did you guys think this, we, well, we benched 185, I said, 185, that's pretty good, so our first time there we hadn't benched, but 185 is pretty heavy, and I was like, wow, cool, I was like, okay, so when I went to the gym, I was like, okay, what's 185, and if you, boom, okay, that's 115, okay, so if I, boom, I'm like, oh, okay, so I put another 35, and I sat down and went like this. Uh no. <laughs> Why? Why? Why can't I lift it? He did. Because I had to get stronger. And that's the same thing in our spiritual state, guys. We've got to get stronger. There's resistance training. There's those times you're going to go through trials. There's times you're going to be reprimanded. There's times you're going to get spanked by God. Oh, I don't like that. But it's for us to grow. I don't like it. I don't like it. But it's better for me. It's better for me. Let us not let our misunderstandings keep us away from the God we love. Let us walk by faith until our faith becomes sight. So picking up our text for tonight, guys, let's go to a wedding, okay? We're invited to a wedding, verse 21. Then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled, that I may go into her. And Laban gathered together all the men of the place, and he made a feast. Man, we're going to a wedding. This is so cool, right? But remember the cultural weddings, seven days event, right? Starting off with the first night together, seven days. You parted for seven days, right? We should bring that back. I'm going to opt to bring back the American seven-day wedding. Right, You can eat and have a blast for seven days. Well, that's what happened, right? Now, it came to pass, guys, verse 23, in the evening that Laban took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to Jacob. Er, time out. He, he's marrying Rachel, not Leah. What happened, right? And so Laban right, gave his maid Zilpah to his daughter Leah as a maid, and it came to pass, listen, guys, in the morning... That behold, it was Leah. And Jacob said to Laban, what is this that you have done to me? Was it not for Rachel I served you? Why have you deceived me? Wow, guys, ready? The double dealer, the deceiver himself just got double dealed. You got that? The con artist just got con. Jacob, Jacob reaped really what he's sown all his life. You go, what's that deception? He said, I worked hard for Rachel and I got Leah instead. It was the old bait and switch, right? Hey, you can, have, you can have Rachel. Well, you get Leah first. Here's the thing, guys. Here's the life verse we, we need to remember. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, as Paul is writing to the church in Galatia, he says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he will also reap. Listen to me. When you sow good things and you sow spiritual things, and you, you're going to reap those things. When you sow, listen, God is not mocked. God, don't take God out of the equation. If you're, gonna, if you're going to sow ugliness, hatefulness, jealousy, all of these things, deceitfulness, you are going to reap those things. I want to sow the things that are good. And here's the thing. Even though, listen to me, even though we reap what we sow, what I love is that God's not done with us. He's not done with us. I, I found a meme the other day that said this, quote, God knew exactly who I was when he found me, and he and he knew me, and he still loved me. Unquote. Listen, he knows exactly who you were when he found you. It's not a surprise. <gasps> You are such a deceiver. You acted like a good boy, and you're not. That's not God. God's going. No, I know exactly who you were. I know what you were. I know what you think in the quietness of your heart. I know what's going on in your life, but I love you still. You see, His love is so, so, so much greater. Guys, we've got to grasp that. We've got to grasp that. So Jacob says, "What have you done to me?" That wasn't our deal. What gives, bub? That's what he's saying. And Laban says, sir, um, it must be not done so in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Fulfill her week and we will give you this one also for service, which you will serve me another seven years. He's going, fulfill her week. What does that mean, guys? He says, enjoy the week of festivities as a husband and a wife. Then you can have Rachel for another seven-year contract. What? What? You see, Laban, guys, is the master of deception. He's like, oh, okay, well, here's... And you go, well, Ben, Ben, listen, it was the wedding night. How come he didn't know it was Leah? How come? Because remember, the custom was they put a veil over their face. They had been having a great time in the party, And then when they went to consummate, them, he didn't see her until it was dark. Guys, listen, it wasn't like you're going into a hotel room and they have all these lights and you get to see her. There was a tent and it was dark and it was Leah. And it was Leah. So what did Jacob do? So Jacob did so. He fulfilled her week and he gave his daughter, Rachel, to him as a wife. And Laban gave his maid Bilhah to his daughter Rachel as a maid, and Jacob also went into Rachel, and he loved Rachel more than Leah, and he served with Laban still another seven years. Okay, so here's the thing: Jacob now has two wives. Okay, he only wanted one, but now he has two. So he he married Leah. Okay, unbeknownst to him, then he said okay, I'm going to fulfill this week. And then Jacob says, okay, here's the contract, but go ahead and have Rachel too. So now he has two. Now, a couple of thoughts before we move into Leah's testimony. You go, what's that? Jacob loved Rachel that he was willing to serve another seven years. Actually, it's more than that. And although he was deceived by Laban, guys, we often forget that Leah, she wasn't a pawn in some game. Leah had feelings. She was hurt. Can you imagine? Can you imagine growing up as Leah? You don't have any prospects. This guy comes into town. He's in love with your younger sister. You know growing up that Rachel has always been more beautiful. You know that she's always been the more popular one. You know, you get that. And then dad does this. And we don't just go, oh, Leah, Leah, no problem. Get, get, it, get your act together, Leah. She had feelings. I'm thinking about Leah. She had feelings. And she realized that her husband now loved Rachel more than he loved her. And the second thing I want to point out is, is Jacob's not wrong in loving Rachel, okay? He's not wrong in that. People are like, well, you, you, but soon enough, guys, in the next few weeks, we're going to find out that Leah was so much actually better for Jacob. You go, so what happens now? Well, if you're taking note, something changes, and I want to see how this applies to your life. How so? You can jot this down in verses 31 through 35. We're going to see Leah get saved. You go, what? Leah actually gets saved. How so? Well, let's read verse 31. It says, and when the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. This, guys, is a crazy verse. Why? Because the first thing that jumps out at me is it says, says this. It says that God sees everything. He wasn't taken by surprise. He sees everything. He also saw the deception of Laban. But see, God's true love is free will to love Him. You go, Pastor. What do you mean? There are so many times we feel, God, why don't you just? Why don't you just? make me a robot to love you, God, because I sure mess up. He goes, no, you know what? Because true love is that, is that you have a free will to love me by your choice. You see, because we have the world here, you see how beautiful the world is? Do you want the world? Do you want the world? Hey, come on in. And we say, no, no, no. You know what? I don't want the world. The world has nothing for me. My choice is to love Jesus. My choice. That's love. Love is not making somebody love you. Love is not putting somebody in a headlock going, you're going to get a noogie if you don't love me. That's not love. And that's not what God will do. God says, listen, do you love me? It's got to be your own free will. Oh, God, I love you. Guys, we have a free will to love God regardless of our life circumstances. Our choice to love him in good times as well as tough times. Pastor, what do you mean? Our love for God should not be determined on our circumstances. Things are going good. Jesus, I love you. You know, we're having a great time, man. We're on top of the mountain. Man, how are you doing? Man, I love God. God is great. Amen. Amen. God is good all the time. You know, we're just super stoked, man. And those are great times. The key is, is that when you're going through a really rough time, and you're going through a really trial, and you're going through a really hard time, and you can sit and go, God, I still love you. My, my life circumstances don't change my love for you. So what happens? Verse 32, and Leah conceived, and she bore a son. Listen, this is a good thing, okay? Because every Jewish male wanted a son. They want a son to, guys, to um, pass on the legacy. This is a good thing. So Leah gets pregnant. Rachel can't have kids. And she called his name, help me out, guys, Reuben. Why does she call him Reuben? She said, for, sure, for the Lord has surely looked on my affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. Okay? If you got a pencil handy, here's what I want you to write down. Okay? Leah's eyes are on her husband. This is what she, she says. I mean, he, here's the thing. We get a good indication of Leah's walk with God by the name she gives her boys. You go, why? Because she says, Reuben, he actually it actually means to see a son. In other words, it's looking for man's approval. And what she's saying, in essence, is, I did good, right? I did good, so now you got to love me. That's what Reuben means. I did good. I, I got you a son, so now you have to love me. But that's what we do with God, don't we? That's what we, we think we're bartering with God a little bit. Hey, God, listen, I've done I've really good this week. How many of you have done good this week? I've done so good this week that, that, that God, you got to love me, and you got to bless me because I've done good. That's not how God operates. Because who are are our eyes on at that point? Ourselves, right? They're not on God. We're going, God, you have to bless me. We can't barter with God. God doesn't owe us anything. And that's where Leah's eyes are on. Well, then she conceives again, and she bore her son. And she says, because the Lord has heard that I am unloved, he's therefore giving me this son also, and I will call his name Simeon. Okay, I'm excited. Why? Because because Leah's getting a little bit closer. She's not there yet. Okay, she's not there. She's just a little bit later. Why? Because, because think about it. Here's what she's saying. Simeon, his name means God hears me now. God heard my prayer. Okay, my eyes aren't on Lord, but I'm praying, but I'm praying. And so I'm going to name this one. Listen. Listen, Jacob, I've given you two boys. Rachel, although she's beautiful, she hasn't given you any. I've given you two. You've got to love me now. God heard my prayer. God heard me that I felt unloved. Wow. Guys, this is where a lot of people dwell. You go, Pastor, I'm not sure what you mean. They know a lot about the Bible, they know a lot about Jesus. They pray, and some even go to church. But they haven't made a full commitment to Jesus. And they walk away saying, God hears me and I'm good. I'm good. God heard my prayer. That's like you going swimming and never getting in the pool. That's like you going, "Ooh, there's some water. I put my big toe in it. Cool. I went swimming. I'm good. No, you put your big toe in. What, what God wants you to do is he says, man, you've never made that full commitment. You never jumped in. But I want you to think about that, guys, in our walks with God. Because God wants us to have a fully devoted, be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Completely all things surrendered to him. All things. Listen, God doesn't want him to be just a part of your life. Somewhere that you can fit in. That's not what it should be. You, you should be all in. You should be all in. You should be so super stoked and committed to him. So she conceived, the Bible says, and she bore another son. Now, she says, listen, now, this time, my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore, she called the name Levi. Now, pastor, is is she there? Almost. She conceived another son. She names him Levi. His name means joined or attached. But where's her eyes? Where's her focus, guys? Her focus isn't on the Lord. It's on the... Listen, I'm now he's going to love me. Now he's got to love me. Now he's got to love me. See, Leah literally naming her boys what she feels in her heart. Now my husband will be joined to me. This has to work. This has to work. But see, Leah gets saved. Leah gets saved, right? You go, what do you mean? We don't know how or what, but something's changed. Why? It's between verse 34 and verse 35, Leah gets saved. What do you mean? Check it out, verse 35. And she conceived again, and she bore a son, and said, Now I will praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah And she stopped bearing. Listen, do you guys catch it? Did you catch that? You go, what do you mean? It wasn't about Jacob anymore. Her life didn't revolve around Jacob anymore. It wasn't like, oh now you gotta love me. I gave you a son. Oh, now you're attached to me. Oh, you've gotta you've gotta love me. She goes, I'm pregnant. And you know what it is? I'm gonna praise the Lord. I'm gonna praise the Lord. What changed? She got saved, dude. She got saved. Her final son, guys, is all about Jesus. Why? Because Judah means praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Leah gets saved because her heart has changed. It's not about a man anymore. It's about the son of man. It's about the son of man. Do you realize that Jesus came out of the tribe of Judah? That's the tribe he came from. And you go, well, pastor, what's your point? Well, in a moment, guys, we're going to take communion. Let me just say this to you right now. None of us are worthy to take communion. We've been walking in a dirty world and stuff has just jumped all over us. But God knows that. And he says, if you'll just confess that, if you'll just confess it, then it's a celebration. You see, because when we come to partake in communion... What we're doing is we're, in essence, believing by faith that Jesus Christ died on the cross, that he was buried, and on the third day, he rose again. And here's what we're saying. We're saying that he's going to come back for us soon. Do you realize that? You see, we've been brought up in communion. Go, well, do you have open communion or closed communion? Here's what we have about communion. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then I know you're saved. But pastor, I've sinned. We've all sinned. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory, but his blood covers and cleanses us. But here's what I want to show you. Leah bore four sons. Three of them, she had her eyes on man. And something changed. The last time she said, I have my eyes on God. And maybe there's some of us here tonight that have had our eyes on man, circumstances, the world, things. And tonight he's saying, knock, 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 knock. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. Praise him. That's That's what the Bible says. That's what is going on. Now, as we take a moment, the worship team is going to come back up. Let's take a moment to pray. And here's what they're going to do, guys. They're going to lead us in worship. And when you're ready, and you come up, you spend some time with Jesus, and you say, God, I'm not worthy. But you just say the word and I'll be clean. Father, we thank you for your word tonight, Lord, and the truth in your word. We thank you, God, that you spoke to us ever so clearly. We confess our sins to you, Lord. We are in need of a Savior. But we also thank you and rejoice, God, that you saved us, God. You saved us from ourselves, you saved us from sin. And although we're not perfect, God, and we blow it, we're sorry help us to repent. Lord as we come to the communion table I pray that your blood would cleanse us from all unrighteousness and all ungodliness. That our eyes would be upon you. Father, we confess our sin that we've put our trust in men. We've wanted we've wanted worldly things more than we wanted godly things. Lord, we've we've traded temporary pleasures for our walks with you. We've compromised in our hearts, oh Lord. And so tonight, God, as we worship you, as we pray, as we sing, it's not about the worship, and it's it's about, it's about being right with you. So Lord, we thank you. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. As the team leads us in worship, guys, take a moment, pray, confess your sins, pray with each other. And when you're ready, come on up, spend time in His presence. Worship Him, guys. There's, there's, there's no one else worthy of our worship than God.
0: Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227.